Welcome, my friends. And once again, I bring you greetings from the Church of Christ, meeting in the building located at 110 Hearst Street in Center, Texas. My goodness, we continue to appreciate the comments we receive on our visits from those of you who are listening to these lessons. And we prayerfully ask that you encourage your friends to also visit with us, listen to our podcast, and study with us. And what we want you to do right now is what we ask you to do every time we come together. Stop checking that Facebook page for a moment. Ignore those incoming text messages and emails. Take just a few minutes out of your busy schedule. And let's visit together about the things of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. In our visits these past weeks, we've been talking about the storms that life brings upon us and about getting through those storms. In our last visit, we talked about the storm of anger. We discussed how that navigating through the storm of anger can be a real battle for us. I hope that you found some of the thoughts we shared to be helpful. In our visit this week, we want to consider something that all of us struggle with, and that is forgiveness. All of us stand in need of the grace of forgiveness, not only from God, but from our fellow man. Jesus taught us to pray, and praying to ask God to forgive us as we forgive each other. And yet, though we are in need of forgiveness... How often do we withhold forgiveness from our fellow man? Is this idea of forgiveness, is it a storm in your life that you struggle with? Forgiveness, you see, is a first cousin to the storm of anger we talked about in our last visit. Holding a grudge, that's also closely akin to the storm of anger. So let's visit a bit today about the grace of forgiveness. How do we move from anger to forgiveness? Imagine yourself being in Jerusalem on that fateful Friday that changed the world. There's no doubt you would have been brought under the spell of the hour. There was an excitement in the air. An execution was taking place. Three men were about to be put to death. Two of these men were revolutionists. There was a crowd gathered with a natural love of the gruesome. They were wanting a show, and they were hideously eager for it. You see, all three of these doomed men that day were well known. They also were all popular. The revolutionists were ardent patriots. They had fought like men, and they would die like men. The crowd gathered there looked upon them as heroes. The young prophet had also been popular, and he was still popular. Yet, those immediately surrounding the cross were intensely hostile. Their antagonism toward Jesus was an antagonism that was extremely bitter. It was so bitter they would not let him die in peace. Even the revolutionists added their insults to the others. And then... Something happened that silenced one of the revolutionists. Something happened that changed his insults into prayers. The young prophet on the central cross prayed, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. My friends, this is one of the most amazing utterances on the pages of history. 
Jesus had been hounded, betrayed, and denied. He had been tried before an unjust court and led out of the city and nailed to a cross. Yet the first words from his mouth were not a complaint. It was not a plea for his own innocence, nor was it a cry for vengeance. Rather, it was a prayer for the forgiveness of those who had put him there. Reading his prayer for their forgiveness implies that Jesus forgave them. Because you see, only someone with a forgiving soul can pray a prayer like that. My friends, oh my, there is such a need for the grace of forgiveness. There are so many today who are unstained by sensuality. They are far from immorality. They attend church services regularly and they are highly esteemed by their fellow man. And yet there's enough malice in their hearts to damn their souls. God is not cruel or harsh or stern in His dealings with His children. In fact, throughout the Bible, He's represented as a God of mercy. Let's be honest. God is much more willing to forgive and forget than we often are. Blessed is that man or woman in whose heart is found the quality of mercy, that man or woman who holds no malice, one who has learned to forgive others their trespasses. That individual is godlike. They are God's man or woman, and they shall receive God's mercy. And yet we must ask, toward whom should we show mercy and forgiveness? Forgive the Judases in your life, those who prize you less highly than they do money. After spending three years with Jesus, Judas no doubt knew something of Jesus' beautiful life, His tender compassion and His marvelous power. However, Judas thought less of Jesus than he did thirty pieces of silver. And in spite of that, Jesus was ready and willing to forgive a penitent Judas. There are those that would pretend to be our friend who would sell us for a minor consideration. Let us not deal severely with them. Rather, let's lend them a helping hand. We must forgive our unfaithful friends, those that would forsake and desert us in a time of critical need. When that mob entered Gethsemane and laid hold on Jesus, the disciples forsook Him and fled. And yet, when Jesus saw them after the resurrection, He dealt kindly with them. He called them, My brethren. There might come a time in your life when you fall into heartless hands in an hour of misfortune. Your friends, some of them, may desert you. Hold no malice against them. Rather seek their fellowship. Include them in the circle of your brethren. Forgive the Simons who are too weak to know you in the hour of trial. You remember the boast that Simon Peter made? He told Jesus he'd never leave him. And yet, just a few hours later, he cursed and swore and said that he did not know Jesus. Though he loved the Lord, 
he was moved from his loyalty by concern for his personal safety. The disciple denied the master, but the master did not deny the disciple. After Jesus was raised from the dead, he found Simon and restored him. There are times that we'll have friends that will be what we call fair-weather friends. Let's not deal severely with those friends, though quite naturally that is our first inclination. But rather, let's seek a loving interview with them, and let's restore them. Forgive your pilots, those that are too cowardly to defend your innocence. That Roman governor knew Jesus had done nothing wrong, but he was cowardly. He was too fearful to defend Jesus. But Jesus did not deal sternly with the governor. He did him no injury. Perhaps at some point, a pilot has by some means entered your life. He knows you're a good person. But in the face of unjust criticism and they say, he is too weak and too cowardly to stand by you. In order to save himself, he's ready to deliver you to the beasts. Don't be bitter toward the pilot you've met in your life, because it is he and not you that should be the object of men's pity. Jesus said, Forgive. They know not what they do. On that day when Jesus my Lord was put to death, there were those there who did not know what they were doing. Those Roman soldiers, they had no idea what they were doing. The Jewish leaders, they actually were misguided and thought they were doing God a service. Jesus had said that the time would come when those who killed his disciples would think they were doing God a service. Saul of Tarsus was such a man. We forgive, my friends, because we have been forgiven. Remember the parable Jesus taught in Matthew 18? The servant there owed his Lord what would be millions of dollars today. A fellow servant owed this servant what would today be about a hundred dollars. We must forgive, lest malice multiply in our soul and stifle every noble impulse in our lives. You see, if we do not forgive, hatred will rob us of the joy of the Christian life. If we do not forgive, enmity will embitter us and take from our soul the sweetness that has been planted there by Jesus the Savior. We live today in a world of conflict and competition. If the grace of God is not in our heart and soul, malice will mount up, pile on pile until our hearts become dark and dead. The heaviest of all hearts is the unforgiving heart. We cannot live together, work together, and enjoy the Christian life together until we learn to forgive. Jesus will help us in this storm, just as He does in the other storms of life. But friends, if Jesus is to be our example, and if we are to have a forgiving spirit, 
then Jesus Christ must be the Lord and Master of our lives. And remember, if Jesus is not the Lord and Master of all of your life, then Jesus is not Lord and Master at all in your life. But you can make Jesus the Master of your life by coming to Him in simple trusting faith, repenting of everything that's sin in your life, confessing His name before men and being buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of past sins. That, my friends, is the simple process that makes you a Christian. Nothing more than a Christian, nothing less than a Christian, and nothing else but a simple New Testament Christian doing things just as they did on Pentecost, just as the eunuch did in Acts 8, and just as the jailer did in Philippi in Acts 16. If we can assist you in your obedience to Jesus Christ, we'd love to have that opportunity. We hope that you're enjoying the opportunity for us to visit together about the things of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we would invite you to come and worship with us at the Center Church of Christ this coming Lord's Day. We love you. The Lord who died for you loves you. And we want you to go to heaven. Our time today is gone. So until the next time, may the Lord richly bless and keep you is our prayer in Jesus' name.